Oh my god, that's so yeah. bad. So oh I have done god. that once before. Oh, Elliot. Oh no, man. Oh, that's um no matter what else we talk about on the on this podcast, that's going to get the most reaction. <laughs> Welcome once again to 32 Thoughts, the podcast brought to you by the new 2024 GMC Sierra HD. American Friedman with you one more time. We have a lot to get to today. Uh, news about the Vancouver Canucks, news about the NHL draft, news about the Ottawa Senators. But let's start out with the future of Pride Tape in the NHL. Elliot, what's the latest? What do you hear? What do you know? There's going to be some meetings this week. I think as soon as today... I'm pretty sure there's at least one today. I just don't know how long this is going to go or how many different meetings there are. But there definitely is or are going to be some conversations about where everything stands, will anything change, and, and where they go from here. And, you know, I think, Jeff, to be honest, if the NHL was going to change all this, it had to be in one fell swoop. Because everybody was getting their, wrapping their heads around the specialty jerseys, including the pride jerseys from last year. And then came a memo that this year, months later, after the original announcement in June, that had people wondering about, well, can I wear a hockey fights cancer tie three months later? And you can't do that. I mean, first of all, nobody should want to go backwards in the first place. But secondly, if you're going to try something like this, you have to do it all at once, not in stages and not something that catches people by surprise and just confuses everybody. And, you know, let me just say, I disagree with the banning of the pride tape. Um, and, you know, Jeff, I, for whatever reason, and I don't have a great answer, I've just been told this. I wonder if it's simply because it happened in two stages, but it sounds like people are more upset about the tape than they were about the jerseys. Whatever the case is, there's meetings this week as soon as today to figure out where we're going. My theory on that is the jerseys were mandated, but the pride tape is an individual choice. I think that's why it stings more for some players. I think that's a good theory. As you say it, you know, there's one player, Travis Dermott, who wears it all the time, right? Yep. And so, plus also, too, I like this theory of yours because the teams ultimately decide what jersey you're going to wear. But as now we know in the rule book, the player can choose what tape they're going to wear. Yeah, Correct. You know, Jeff, that's a, it's, a, it's a great, great theory. Great theory. The one thing that I wasn't able to to find out and I asked and I got a whole lot of, well, I don't knows. Um, the idea of banning the pride tape is one thing, but then what is the penalty if a player uses it in warm-up, for example? Um, my question was, is it the player who gets the punishment, i.e. the fine or whatever the consequence is, or is it the team that faces the punishment for it? Because I, this memo was know. sent to the teams. And, and that's the thing. Like, I don't know either, Elliot. And I wasn't able to get a, a straight answer from anybody. I, I don't know the answer to that either. Like, as I wrote last week, and I said on your radio show, I'm not even convinced this is enforceable. But we are where we are, and I think everybody's trying to sort it out. To be honest, Jeff, I was surprised. I had someone tell me they thought there was at least one player who was going to use pride tape on the weekend, just throw it on and, and see what happened. But we obviously didn't have that through Sunday. Now we'll see where this goes this week and, and we'll see if anything gets changed. You know, I'll say this for as much as there's been said about players and teams arguing against it. I do think, you know, Brad Marchand hit on what I, what people think quietly. And, of course, he wouldn't be afraid to say it out loud. His quote on Wednesday, to be pushed to do something you don't want to do or to be banned from using something you believe in, there's got to be a line where we can all have our beliefs and support each other. It's unfortunate we can't find common ground. And I completely agree with him. And, you know, one of the things I think that for the players who quietly didn't have a problem with the change... I think it's because they were tired of 
you know, people going through pictures online or on Getty Images and whatever and seeing who was wearing the tape and who wasn't. And so I think quietly, a number of players and teams felt very strongly about that. But what I think it should be incumbent on everybody here is sit down and figure out if there's a solution. Well, it seems to me, I spoke to someone on Friday night about this at length, and this person wondered to me whether, because they're all trying to figure out, you know, what the future of these nights is going to bring. Um, and this person said to me, I wonder if, not unlike other sports, Elliot, they dedicate a certain number of nights, one night, two nights, five nights, I don't know, where every player in warm-up, for example, gets to dress or wear you know, their own style of jersey or pride tape or something on their gloves or on their skates that reflects either a cause or something they stand for. So it's not just, okay, everybody, now this is pride night and we're all doing x this isn't just military appreciation night so we're doing we're all doing y you do it all together all in one night or five nights or six nights throughout the season whatever it ends up being so it's not just one theme but players can choose how they're going to express themselves and not do it all in the same way or for the same cause does that make sense to you that could be some fun chaos, I, I would have to say. And you know what you could do? You could publish every player's yes. choice beforehand. This is player X is going to be skating out wearing this or representing this. Correct. It's actually, Jeff, I, I have to say, among the history of Merricks, this is not the worst <laughs> one. I, you know, like because I'll say this, you know, I, I didn't realize this, but... The Sharks played Colorado on Saturday night, and they came out. Obviously, I'm watching Vancouver-Edmonton closer, but it, it was Los Tiburon night. And please excuse me, my Spanish isn't very good. I don't have a great accent. Um, but when they used to have that night, there would always be some really interesting jerseys. They'd come out in some really funky designs. And as I saw that, I was like, ooh, that's something we've kind of lost a little bit here with this change. So, you know what, Jeff, it's it's a great point. I think what I feel is, because I don't like the fact we're not wearing Hockey Fights Cancer jerseys. Like, I don't, I don't like that, in addition to everything else. So, there has to be a way to sort this out somehow. And, and maybe that's what it is. You have teams play 41 home games. Maybe 10 of those are theme nights where the players can pick, or five, or two, or... Pick whatever it is. There, there has to be a way to, to solve this. A little bit of the, the color of the league, I think, has been lost. Like, there was some great stuff on the weekend. Um, you look at some of the players picking their own goal songs. Like, when I saw the Winnipeg Jets list of goal songs, I couldn't stop laughing. Like, some of them were just hilarious and great. I want Laurent Boissois to score this year so I can hear Rasputin <laughs> by Boney M. I was thrilled that Morgan Barron scored the other night so I could hear Home for a Rest. But, I mean, obviously Pride Tape and is the thing that's gotten, has had the most air to it, and certainly I understand why. But watching the Sharks not in any of those special warm-up jerseys on Saturday night, I saw it and I said, some of the fun around the league has been taken out of this. And is there a way we can fix it? Don't disagree at all. Okay, uh, a couple of things. Uh, let's go back to Saturday headlines from Hockey Night on Saturday. Um, these two things are joined, so I'll ask them together. Uh, or I'll throw them out there on the table together. One, uh, Connor Garland, um, and we all know about that situation. Uh, his agent, Judd Moldaver of Wasserman, uh, has been given permission to go seek a deal. And Vancouver and the need for cap space or looking to create more flexibility, which by the way, is something that Jim Rutherford talked about initially uh, when he joined Vancouver coming over from the Pittsburgh Penguins. So that isn't anything new. My only question there is, are we talking about cap space for this season around trade deadline time, for example, or are we talking about, well, you know what? We know the salary cap is going up next summer, but we'd like even more flexibility to get involved in free agency, or maybe it's a combination of both. So anyway, Cap Space and Connor Garland for Vancouver. I think it's a combination of both, but 
You know, one of the things I'd heard that a couple people told me was wrong is that I had heard the Canucks, if they were going to have to take a contract back, it was only going to be someone who was under contract for this year. They weren't willing to take anybody with term. And I had a few people push back on that with me and say that's not the case. If they like a player, they'll take a player who's got a bit more term. I think they want the ability to add money this year or to bank cap space, I guess is a better way to say it, this year. You know, if they can win the trade cap-wise by a million or two, it allows them to start banking a little bit more space now. I I think the most interesting thing, Jeff, is, you know, the last podcast you asked me, it was a question a lot of other people were asking, is why would you change an agent right before the season, especially an agent who got you a good contract in the first place? And I think the Canucks were really trying to get this deal done before the year, so they wouldn't have to start the season short, which they did in their first game against Edmonton. And, you know, now that the season started, it's a bit harder to get things done. People tend to say, oh, let's wait 10 games, see what we got. I think there's interest in Garland, but that's the thing that Vancouver is going to have to deal with. And, you know, that's why I think the change was made, because initially I think Vancouver really pushed to get it done before the year. Um, Look, they're looking for D. And the other thing, too, is when McKayev gets back, I just wonder where Garland fits. You got a player making $4.9 million. That should be a top six player. And there's not necessarily going to be a top six spot for him. So all of that, I think, plays into that. Well, one of the problems, though, is this is a this is a league that doesn't start making trades. There is the odd exception, but that doesn't really start making trades until January. Yeah, I, you know, you had Aaron Portsline on your Jeff Merrick radio show with Jeff Merrick. Trademark Jeff Merrick, yes. <laughs> You know, and he said that Columbus was interested, right? Yeah, a lot of the conversation revolved around Jack Roslovic as well, because it See, would I, it would kind of fit the ammo cap wise, right? Expiring contract makes less than Garland. It kind of fits what we think the Vancouver's looking for here. Yeah, except it's not a D. That's the one thing that uh, would concern me, but because I think that's Vancouver's preference. But Columbus is a team I could see saying we have to make sure this year works. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we'll see. I, I definitely think Nashville's in there, too. Yeah, you mentioned Nashville. You threw Winnipeg. Um, Somebody else has actually well. reported Winnipeg and heard it. There's a few. Like, there's, I don't necessarily think it's a dozen. I think it's less than that. But I think there's a mm. nice number of teams here. It's just a matter of of when when it happens. Josh Norris and the Ottawa Senators. There's a few things going on in Ottawa. One, Great uh, big, weekend. Big, big smile on Michael Andlauer's face. And you saw this Saturday. Uh, with him getting into it with the crowd um, after the uh, the win against the Philadelphia Flyers. Sunday, they turn around and beat the Tampa Bay Lightning as well. I want to ask you about Matthew Joseph here in a couple of seconds. But um, Josh Norris, we're going to get the Shane Pinto. Uh, your thoughts on what's happening with Josh Norris right now? I don't think that DJ Smith likes talking about it every day. <laughs> no, he basically <laughs> said, look, guys, when the doctors tell me we can play, he'll play. You know what that is? That's code for, stop asking me this bleeping question. Leave me alone. Yeah. Leave me alone. When you're bugging your sibling and they say, just leave me alone. I want to be left alone. That's <laughs> that's DJ Smith right now. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, Norris, they're hoping he'll take some contact this week. And I think they're hoping he can play Wednesday, but we just don't know. And I hope that does happen, A, because it's good for Norris, and B, because it's Wednesday night hockey on our air. Um, look, like Ann Lauer, Ann Lauer's never going to be more beloved in Ottawa than he is right now. He had all the right notes on the weekend. They won two games at home. Winning is the best. What did they chant, Elliot? Yeah, that's the only thing. <laughs> Shane Pinto's agent is paying fans to chant sign Pinto. <laughs> going to bring signs like old uh, WWE Raw and WCW Nitro. It'll be the sign uh, Shane Pinto uh, wars. In there's Ottawa. gonna be there's gonna be ten fans showing up with like sign pinto <laughs> with an exclamation marks on each of their chests, right around the glass and warm up. Me confiscating signs in Ottawa, confiscating chest hair, making them wipe off that paint. Anyway, <laughs> it's uh, again like riffing off the joke we made on Saturday night. It, uh, as we record this on Sunday night, um, you know there's doesn't seem to be that anything's changed. Well, you better timestamp, but what time are we saying this at? I said 10.56, 10.56 Eastern. Yeah, so it it could change. But, 
you know, Matthew Joseph, who's the guy who's been kind of in it's the middle great. of all this. He's, uh, give him credit. Like, all you control is how well you play. And he's played really well. He started the year well. And with Norris and, and Pinto out of the lineup, they need that scoring. But I'm not really sure what the end game to all of this is going to be. You know, I, I will tell you this. I think that, you know, Pinto was there in town. He left. I've had other people say to me, he's got to be thinking about asking for a trade. And every time I've checked, the answer everywhere has been no, it's not happening. I think I think that's the only thing that everybody really has to be worried about here is does that ever change? But again, I, I asked everyone I could on Saturday. And if someone makes a trade request, it usually filters its way around the league. And as of Saturday night, people were saying, no, there was, there was nothing. Let me get your thoughts on, uh, on, on one other Ottawa issue. And I think we're all a happy to see him uh, on the ice with the players uh, at practice on Friday. And then as part of the ceremony on Saturday, uh, and that is Daniel Alfredson officially returning to the mix with the Sens. You have a thought on what we all thought was inevitable. And we all thought that, you know, eventually Daniel Alfredson was going to, you know, rejoin the mix in Ottawa. Uh, He's there. It's official. There is no job title yet. There's no business card, uh, but he's back. And Steve Steo saying they're going to figure out what the exact uh, title and job description is at a certain point here. But just your, your thoughts on Alfredson returning to the Sens. Well, just look, some people should be, with an or, a certain organizations, right? Mm-hmm. And one of those guys is Daniel Alfredson. Like all those guys, Chris Phillips, Chris Neal. Th- those guys should be senators. They should be part of the group, and they should be part of the organization. And there's there's just no other way to say it. I was I was very happy to see it, and uh, I have no doubt this will be a long and fruitful partnership. Excellent. Uh, future of the NHL draft. Yeah, I got to say, just as a person who covers the NHL, I don't like the idea of changing it the way it is. It is, this is just my personal opinion. Um, I love having everybody together. I love the draft. I love seeing everyone. Uh, But I I will say I understand why they're talking about this. Last year, Jeff, what was the date of the draft? 28th, 29th. And free agency is the first. And this yep. year, even though we don't have a set location yet, what's the date of the draft? Same. Yes. And then you've got to travel like crazy to get back for July 1st. So I think that that is a, a very, very big part of it. Why are we all running around like this right before a free agency? Because we know, Jeff, nobody talks to anybody before a free agency. There is no tampering. What's that word? Oh, so there it is. Right, oh, so right the at 1201, those <laughs> phones start ringing and no deals are agreed to right before that. At 1201, but, uh, a very sophisticated uh, seven-year contract for player X and the bonus structure. Just put that together in a cozy 25 seconds. And wow, this these agents and GMs really get to work quickly and got it through Central. And oh boy, wow, that's remarkable. <laughs> so <laughs> yes but anyway on that point i kind of get um i think the other thing too is you know there's a cost issue uh yeah. you know, although someone made a good point to me they said if you're flying all your scouts and your staff into your office is it really that much cheaper than everybody going to one location you know some team can tell me if that's the case or not but I thought that was at least a a fair thing to throw out there. I think Mm. there's also a feeling that not enough is happening. You know, there's 15 people on the front stage. It takes forever for everyone to go up and take the picture. Could they make the draft quicker? Um, And not enough big deals have happened. I think that's all part of this. But I guess at the Board of Governors meeting, Bettman said that people could vote on it. Now, I'm under the impression it might not just be a vote. They might just say to them, hey, we're going to take a poll and see kind of which way the wind is blowing. But I had some people tell me, don't be surprised if this gains momentum. So it's more like like the NFL draft. You know, there are some players who are there, some players are at home, same as the NBA draft. It's going to be more like that if they do do this. And if the draft keeps staying so close to July 1st, 
I think there's there's a very good chance it happens. By the way, in Vegas, you know, there were reports about the sphere. I think the big question is how much would that cost? You know, Jim Dolan, who built the sphere and is very Oh, he'll give the NHL a break. Oh yeah. He's had some big battles with the he'll probably charge them more rent than he charges you too. <laughs> yeah, that's the reason well told. So I think one of the possibilities in Vegas is the is the Thomas and, and Max Center, which you know, I would love to see simply because I, I assume UNLV still plays their basketball. But when you think the UNLV running Rebels, which was the sports team that really built Vegas sports, and for all intents and purposes, it was a professional team. You know, Jerry Tarkanian chewing the towels with the running oh, Rebels. Tark the Shark, baby. Tark the Shark. Larry Johnson, great. Greg Anthony, Anderson Hunt. Should have won two in a row. Duke beat them. Christian Leitner. I would just love to see that building just for the history of it. But So I still think it's going to be in Vegas. My Disneyland idea doesn't seem to be going anywhere, I have to tell you, Jeff. But this, <laughs> this has gained some momentum, and it's not impossible that mm. it happens. All right, we'll see where uh, where that one heads. Okay, I have a favor to anyone in the Tampa Bay Lightning organization who is listening to this podcast right now. Can we please have the next time, and Elliot, I really hope there is a next time too, the next time Sam Gagne plays at Amelie Arena, can there be a tribute video for Sam for the one hour he spent <laughs> as a member of the Tampa Bay Lightning? Not unlike what we saw with what the Columbus Blue Jackets did for the returning Ranger netminder, Jonathan Quick, on the weekend. First of all, whoever came up with the idea deserves awesome. a promotion. Someone sent me a text and they said, is it true that the Blue Jackets did a tribute video for Jonathan Quick? And because I was watching the, the three early games on Hockey Night, I didn't see it. So I was like, no way, no way anyone did that. That's some internet joke, right? You know, there's this internet joke site like sports site balzac sports and like that's i was like it has to be them or something like that and i looked it up and it actually happened and first of all i liked it because it was funny i thought it was really funny but the other reason i liked it is because it's been a really heavy start to the year in columbus between babcock and losing the first game and and kent johnson getting benched for the opener like it's been a really tough start there First of all, they had a great Fantilli video for his opener. Oh, yeah. And that was awesome. If we were doing the standings by some of the stuff that has been created by team entertainment departments, Columbus would be number one in the league between that Fantilli video and this. And there's been a lot of good stuff. But that's what I really liked about it for Columbus was not only that it was funny, but that team needs a good laugh, like a good storyline around it. And then they went out and they, and they beat the Rangers in – Game two. I also wanted to mention when it comes to Columbus, Jeff Rimmer announced this will be his last season. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when you think of the Blue Jackets, the number one person you're going to think of is going to be Rick Nash, right? Because he's Mr. Blue Jacket. Of course. But after that, I wonder how many people you'd get to. If you were to ask the fans, rank the most important people in Blue Jacket history, you'd probably get Nash first, then you get the McConnell family. And then what would, I mean, Columbus people can tell me if I'm wrong about this, but would Jeff Rimmer be third? As far as beloved Columbus Blue Jackets or, personalities? Or, or, or maybe most important people in, around in the history of the franchise. He's the guy that introduced the franchise to them, really, in the market as their voice of the Blue Jackets. It's the same way that I feel about Ted Darling with the Buffalo Sabres, another team that's near and dear to or my Jan-Rett. heart. Or Jenneret. Rick Jenneret for the following generation as well. I think that Pete Weber with the Nashville Predators. Yeah, I think Pete, these. Yep. I think these voices. Whether you here's the thing that I always feel. Whether you realize it or not, they are the sounds of your hockey team. Like you will close your eyes and think about your hockey team if you're a Blue Jackets fan, and it's gonna be Jeff Rimmer's voice subconsciously. You might not even realize it at the time. But those broadcasters, because I know what Ted Darling it did with me, and I still, to this day, when I see the Swords jersey, I hear that voice. You don't realize it at the time, but as time goes on, Jeff Rimmer's voice will stay with Blue Jackets fans. I completely believe that. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the other thing, too, I'll say about Jeff is there were times uh, when 
you know, maybe he didn't like something I said or wrote about the Blue Jackets and my phone would ring and Jeff Rimmer's name would pop up and I'd be like, oh God, I'm, get, I'm about to get a lecture here. Or, you know, he knew that the, the Blue Jackets were going to be in the news and he'd call and say, you know, Elliot, here's why maybe something had happened and maybe give you a bit of... He never told me anything that I think the Blue Jackets would be upset about him telling me. But he would always try to soften the blow as much as he could. And uh, it didn't always work, Jeff. I have to tell you that. <laughs> but I really appreciated the uh, effort. Yeah, man no. loves the Blue Jackets. Whether uh, he's calling the games or not, he loves the Blue Jackets. The sound of CBJ. Um, we wish him all the best for the remainder of the season. We'll talk more about Jeff Rimmer as the, as the season starts to wind down for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, okay, uh, I've promised myself, as I do each and every year, not to read too much into what happens in the first week or the first couple weeks or really even, Elliot, the first month because hockey in late November is going to look profoundly different than it does right now. But having said that, if you're the Oilers, are you concerned about the goaltending and the blue line? Or are you saying calm down it's early pat mcafee has a segment called i don't want to overreact but edmonton would be the main topic of that segment <laughs> if he did it for the nhl instead of the nfl look there were some things i really didn't like and the number one thing you have to worry about if you're the oilers is look there were a lot of questions about the goaltending and you looked at the way campbell in particular played in the preseason and i got sucked in just like everybody else did jeff you know he looked really good and you're, and you're feeling really confident and you're feeling great and you're saying, okay, doesn't have to be great, but if he can be Aiden Hill or Darcy Kemper, one more save than the other goalie, we, you know, we can win the Stanley Cup. And he couldn't get out of the second period of game one. So I understand why the nervousness is there. Like That's why people are looking at this and saying, like to me, I always look at things like it's the first two games of the season, relax. Like Edmonton shooting 2% at five on five. Last year, they were one of the best teams in the league shooting five on five. They were at 9%. They're not going to say 2%. It's like, I think like only Washington's worse and they got shut out. So that's why they're worse. So like that to me will all correct itself. But the goaltending, I can understand why people are looking at the Oilers and they're saying, uh-oh, we thought this was fixed based on the exhibition season. I think they're trying to change their defense, and Bieksa showed some really good examples on Saturday night of of how they're still struggling with the box and one that Woodcroft wants them to play. But I think the other thing here is that, like last year, the difference between Vegas and the Oilers was they were a little bit deeper, they got the saves, but also their attention to detail was better. Like there were there were the details of the game. Vegas was better than Edmonton. And, you know, for example, on Saturday night, in the game that wasn't a blowout, they tie the game and immediately they give away a two on nothing. And that says to me that your details slip. So I guess the, the short answer is there's a lot of things I don't worry about, but your whole season this year is about, as your coach said, making sure you control the things that you control. And in games one and two, they were sloppy. And I think the goaltending, I think everybody looks here and says, what did we just see this week? Is there a reason for us to think it's going to be like this again? Like the goalies have to re-grab the confidence of themselves and their market. Mm -hmm. Let's wrap up this segment. Uh, we have more news on the other side and more thoughts on what we've seen around the By, by, the, by the way, week. Jeff, yes. we should give so a lot of credit to Vancouver. Of course. Yeah. Whether it's Elias, whether it's Vancouver. Elias Pedersen, whether it's JT Miller, who I think's played really well too, um, to Thatcher Demko, who made saves and then barfed into his own mask. <laughs> <laughs> to Casey DeSmith, who uh who looked fantastic just getting shell shocked but being cool the whole sixty minutes on Saturday. There's a there's a lot to like about what we saw from Vancouver in the first two games. I, I have to say, Thatcher Demko and I have one thing in common. You both barfed on opening night? No, I, it wasn't on opening night for me. It was I did it during a hit once. And I was out in the Zamboni entrance of, I think it was Vancouver. 
and I held it in my mouth while I was doing the hit. You did not. You did not. I, no, I had, no, no. I had no. no garbage that I could spit it into. Where and did people, you stuff it? Was people it like... could see me. It was like under my tongue. Oh my God, that's so yeah. bad. So oh, I have done oh. that once before. Oh, Elliot. Oh no, man. Oh, that's, um, no matter what else we talk about on the, on this podcast, that's going to get the most reaction. <laughs> Elliot Friedman holding barf in his mouth. Let's finish but I don't, I, I'm betting it wasn't as much as Demko had. It was like one of those small ones. Speaking of goaltenders, how you like Mackenzie Blackwood against Colorado? 51 save performance. Uh, needed that one. San Jose loses. Uh, they pick up a point in the process. I want to get to Philip Zadina here in a second too, but just a, a quick thought on Mackenzie Blackwood of the Sharks. Well, first of all, great for him. He needed to change his scenery. The Devils needed to move on for him. I think there's a chance that... I, I think you get into situations where every player could need a change of scenery once. I've learned in my own life, there were times I didn't realize it, but I'd gotten stale in situations and you go somewhere else and you just feel refreshed. And you kind of look back and say, boy, I didn't even know I needed that change of scenery, but I did. So I think this is perfectly normal. Um, you know, I, I didn't watch a ton of the Colorado San Jose game, but I will tell you this. When I looked up at that screen, I don't think I ever saw the puck in the avalanche's end of the ice. It was all, all like Mackenzie Blackwood as, making Aside saves, from man. the Bordelow goal, I think that was the only time <laughs> I saw the puck. And congrats, first yes. NHL goal. Well awesome. done. Awesome for him. And, and they were swarming all around, and Vlasic got hurt, and I think he missed the third period. And remember, this is a guy who was on Team Canada's list for the 2022 Olympics. People That's forget true. that. That's the, true. Like the list of five or six goalies, Mackenzie Blackwood was on it. On pure talent alone, uh, this guy has the talent. And he looked like a stud that night. You know, we'll see where it goes. San Jose is not a team that's built to win this year. But a record for most saves in a, in a debut with a team. I mean, he deserved better. He deserved to win that game. They lost in the shootout. But, you know, he played fantastic. I'll tell you this, Jeff. I think, like, too, just about Jersey, I'm wondering if we're going to see an Akira Schmid extension hmm. soon. And the reason I say it is Jack Hughes, they extended eight times eight, and that's going to age to be a phenomenal contract. I mean, the player's going to make $64 million, but it's going to be a great deal for the team, too. True. Akira Schmid is in the last year of his current deal. He started Game 7 of the playoffs last year. He won it. He's their goalie of the future. I always look. The surest predictor of future behavior is past behavior. Akira Schmidt's not Jack Hughes, but he's very important to the future of the New Jersey Devils. I thought about this the other day. I was wondering, that's what they're going to do. Let me zip back to San Jose real quick before we get to a break. Actually, I want to ask you about the Ducks quick, and then we'll get to a break. Um, Philip Sedina with his first goal as a shark this is someone and we talked to him in stockholm at the uh, european players tour walked away from five million dollars and the detroit red wings to get as you mentioned the fresh starts there are some players that you cheer for just based on what's happened to them and you hope for the best philip zidina is one of those players scores his first goal with the san jose sharks your thoughts on zidina just happy for him like another guy who needed a fresh start uh, you, I mean, you told the story. As you said, we heard him in Europe. Like, I root for people to succeed. I want people to do well. And I, and I really root for a guy like that because there's a lot of people who would never have done what he did. And so I'm, I'm happy for him. You know, Anaheim. Yes. Greg Cronin, first NHL win on Sunday night. And Carolina made that interesting. They got to within 4-3 in the third before the Ducks pulled away. Minchikov, first NHL goal. Mm -hmm. uh, Lucas Dostal gets the win. You know, Anaheim's not going to win a lot of games this year, but they've got a lot of good players. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I, I have to tell you, I, I was kind of wondering, you know, Anaheim's going for the top pick again. They want the Iserman. They want the Celebrini. They want to add to their talent. And, and I'm wondering, when they're up 4-1 after two, is Pat Verbeek in the dressing room before the players getting in there, <laughs> putting like crushing sleeping pills into their water bottles. 
If Tim Murray were the general manager of the Ducks, that might be something <laughs> that we could see happening. Remember when they were chasing Connor McDavid and every time a goaltender would have a nerve to make a save, that goaltender would get traded or waived, Elliot. <laughs> um, it does very much seem like a, 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 a Tim Murray chasing Connor McDavid type move. To the point about Minchikov and Jackson Lacombe with a nice setup there. A couple of weeks ago on the pod, you mentioned all the prospects on the blue line specifically that Anaheim has and it is lengthy and even though it's only two games it's his first two pro games Olin Zellweger who may end up being the best of the bunch on the blue line there three points in his first two games with AHL San Diego like right away this guy is super comfortable playing pro hockey so it is an embarrassment of young riches uh, for the Anaheim Ducks by the way um, Max Comtois former Anaheim Duck uh, now has a home in the American League uh, with the Chicago Wolves, uh, which, as we know, is an independent organization. Uh, if an NHL team does come calling, however, um, he does have an out. Chicago has granted him that. Otherwise, he'd have to get a, a proper release. That's fine. Any NHL team comes looking for Max Comtois, he's he's good to sign with them. But right now, his home is with the Chicago Wolves of the American League. Uh, on that, we'll hit a break. Uh, Montana's thought line and more thoughts on, well, the Devon Taves contract for one. Austin Matthews, six goals in two games, not too shabby. And he's about to face off against Connor Bedard later on tonight. 32 Thoughts continues. Listen to the 32 Thoughts podcast ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. All right, welcome back to the program here. Welcome back to the podcast. Elliot, it is uh, old-ish news, uh, but we haven't had a whack at this pinata yet since uh, the news broke. Uh, Devon Taves, seven-year extension, uh, $50.75 million, AAV7, Point two five. you've been following this one from day one. It's one of those deals, Jeff, where everyone looks at it and says, I gave a bit more than I wanted, so you know it's a good deal. Colorado didn't want to go to seven years. They did to get the deal done. Taves, you know, like a couple agents and teams were telling me the number here is 56. If Devon Taves goes to the open market, he's getting at least $56 million, right? Over seven he, years. Over seven years. Or eight. Is. He's either getting okay. eight times seven or he's getting seven times eight. At least. At least. So Devon Taves, he's not getting $56 million, but he's getting 50 and he's going to be more than happy with that. Like it's still $50 million. So Taves gives a little bit in terms of his market value and the Avalanche give a little bit in terms of term. But you know what this says to me is, first of all, he wants to be there. They want him there. They both found a way. Everybody wanted it to get done. And that's the biggest thing. But the other thing it says to me is that the Colorado Avalanche look at this and say, we are here to win more Stanley Cups. We've won one. We want two or three. We want to be pigs. We want to be greedy. <laughs> we want to win two or three. And you know what? They have a much better chance of winning two or three Stanley Cups with Devon Taves than without him. And they said, we'll, whatever happens down the road, like if, if Devon Taves slows down, then they'll deal with it later. But right in the short term, him in the lineup gives them their best chance to win Stanley Cups. And he and Makar, don't forget, we talked about the Olympics with Blackwood. Taze and McCarr were going to be a defense pair for Team Canada. And for they sure. may be maybe again. Like, it still could happen. So if, so at the end of the day, why I think Colorado did what they did was they just said, do we want to win the Stanley Cup? Yes. Do we want to win more than one Stanley Cup? Yes. Are we going to do it without Devon Taves? Uh, maybe, but it's going to be a lot harder. So we're going to find a way to get this deal done. You know, the other thing too here, Jeff, is someone made a really good point to me. And that is that Devon Taves will be 30 in February, mm -hmm. how many NHL games has he played? 317. How many guys, this, this was what someone ah. said to me, how many guys do you know who signed for 50 million at age 29 and they've only played 317 games. Well, he's kind of the the late developer, though, yes. right? No, like that, that's that, like that's that's the thing about Devon Taves. Like mm -hmm. for the longest time, from you know Quinnipiac to 
playing with Bridgeport, it wasn't as if he, you know, joined the NHL when he was 20 years old. It took a little bit longer for him to get there. And, but that's the point is that there's a lot less mileage on him than there would be a lot of 30-year-olds when this contract starts. But, you know, the teams are really into the post-34-year-old drop. And this is the interesting thing about this. What a couple teams told me, I'm going to write about this a little bit tomorrow, is the number now is 30. We talked last week, Owen Power. One of the reasons he extended in Buffalo was Kevin Adams wanted to sign for eight years. They got seven. So he signs again in the 29-year-old summer rather than the 29-30. Teams are adamant that players, the last, what was the way someone phrased it to me? They said, I should have really written this down. But then I'd be smart, so I didn't do it. But huh. basically, people drop off a cliff after 34 is what a lot of these teams think. Now, obviously, there are exceptions. Henrik Lundqvist was one exception. But they drop off a cliff after 34. So the earlier you can sign that big deal, the better you're in. But Taze, because he's only played 300 games, it's a bit of a different bet. Interesting. Okay, a couple more things here. Austin Matthews, back-to-back hat tricks and later on tonight the Toronto Maple Leafs will face off against the Chicago Blackhawks Taylor Hall looks like he's good to go and that's great news because I thought that he might be out a little bit longer um, after that Brandon Carlo hit last week Um, and of course this means Austin Matthews up against Connor Bedard uh, a player whose shot has been and maybe always will be compared to Austin Matthews. Well, he, yeah. he's admitted himself. He said he's looked at Matthews' videos on YouTube and he practiced that. So there's definitely more than just a comparison there. This is a man who is stealing intelligence from Austin Matthews. This <laughs> is hockey treason. No, I... Uh, <laughs> You know, also, credit to Taylor Hall. It looks like he's going to play. I know, right? After opening night, you know, Luke Richardson was saying, you know, he's out week to week. Not anymore. You know, he looks like he's going to play on Monday night. I know people are going crazy about the Bedard stuff. Um, Like, one of my buddies texted me and said, like, do you guys have a camera on Bedard when he goes to the bathroom? And I just said, you know, if we could, we would. Not yet. Everything this guy does impresses me. I'm a very big fan I have to say that defenseman Korchinski, he's really good too. Like that guy looks like, already looks like one of their best defensemen too. I like him a lot too. I'm really excited to see this. They're not going to win a lot of games and that's by design, but this guy is, he's a, he's a heck of a player, man. He's a heck of a player. He really is. On Matthews. Yeah. I, I was having a long conversation. I was at a birthday party on Sunday night, a kid's birthday party. Have you ever been to Sky Zone, just north of Toronto, the trampoline place? Yeah, I'm there all the time. It's right beside Pro Hockey Life, where I seem to live. That's right. Good, good point. You're yeah. right. It is, it is right there. First of all, the party was from 5 to 8 p.m. on a Sunday night. Yeah. I think it was two kids who were turning 10, another one was turning 12, I think. I probably should know more about this than I do. But good job, know, I, Dad. <laughs> I was <laughs> parent of the year right here. I, I was thinking five to eight on a Sunday night. There's going to be nobody here, or it's not going to be that big. It was an absolute zoo. I could not believe how many kids were in there. Oh, yeah? you know, like it used to be on Sunday nights, you know, you stayed home, you kind of got ready for school, you had a nice relaxing evening after no. going crazy all weekend. No. I I guess that's completely changed. Anyway, it was it was insane in there. Anyway, one of the fathers <laughs> says Tell us tell us you're out of touch without telling us you're out of touch. <laughs> oh, wait till you see the piece that's airing <laughs> on, on Wednesday before the Sanders game. You want to see me look out of touch. I'm okay. not telling you any more than that. Oh, I think uh, I know. Is it what yeah. I is it what I think it is? Yes, you okay. know. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. I, yeah, I don't yeah. want to give it away because it's, no, it's, this, it's fun. That's, yeah, that's a that's a that's a good hook. Yeah. watch this on Wednesday, folks. I'm yeah. going to tweet out the "Hello, fellow kids," Steve Buscemi <laughs> one with this because this is me. Hello, uh, fellow kids. That's good. Anyway, so uh, one of the fathers there is like, uh, "Do you think Matthews is for real?" I, I'm like, "Matthews, what? Is for real?" He's like. 
He's he scored sixty goals two years ago. He's he's a great shooter. Of course, I I think he's for real. Why he goes? Yeah, I don't think that guy's that serious enough. And I, I I don't know where this comes from. And everybody has their own ideas. And and I don't like to tell. Like, this is our audience, right? So like I'm like you know I I, I listen, but I think Matthews is a killer. Uh, like I do, I, I really do. I think that he's a guy who is determined to win, and every silently, because he's not very public about it. I think everything that he does is about winning, and I think he trains right. I think he eats right. I think he's got his own personal chef that stays with him. Um, like I, I think everything that guy does is about building himself into physically and mentally the best winner that he can be and you know I think we see all the goals and you know the one thing I, I thought was you know a couple of years ago like when he got ragdolled a bit by a Montreal like he kind of smiled and it's like one of those things that it's like sometimes yeah. it's like that old line about how you never get the second chance to have a first impression like I think that's stuck with people but I don't think that's who he really is like the first night when Bertuzzi got jumped and all those Leafs, including Matthews and Marner, jumped to his aid, Matthews and Marner, they aren't going to fight guys. But I do think those guys, they really want to win. And I think what they are learning now is how to channel that into winning. Like I think what happens is because of the contracts they've signed, people just think that they don't want to win. And I don't believe that's true at all. I think they're both very, very serious about it. And Marner, I think, just has to shut out the noise. But I think Matthews already has. Like, he does not understand why there was any doubt he was going to sign in Toronto. And, uh, like, I think he's going to have a massive year. He's already started there. I'm not surprised about this at all. I just, you know, whenever someone asks me, it happens honestly quite a bit in Toronto people say do you think that guy really wants to win I'm I'm blown away by that I, I have never yes I have never believed anything but that I just think that everybody has a different route to getting there and I think he's really figured it out one of the things that and there's only a handful of players and again there's only a handful of players that I feel this way about I'm talking about shooters specifically there's only a handful of guys uh shea weber was number one for the longest time uh, i've always felt this way about someone like patrick line and i feel this way about austin matthews elliot there are just some shooters that when they shoot they're not just shooting to score a goal i get the sense they're trying to shoot the puck through the net like Jack trying, I did this, like, this yeah, season? like, like your guy, I know your man crush, Arbor Jack, I did, but like they're deliberately trying to shoot the puck through the net. Like, you know how some boxers will talk about, I'm trying to punch to the back of the head when I hit. I get the sense that when Matthew shoots, he's trying to shoot it, not just so it goes in, but so it goes through the nets. And there's only like a handful of guys I feel the same way about, but Matthews is that guy. I just love how comfortable and confident he is with the puck on his stick and just how violent the release is like i'm trying to put i, I want to hear the boards rattle when i put this thing through the net you know what toe blake always said there's only the only kind of shot i don't like is the shot i can hear yeah amen um by the way just one last thing before we go on the leafs who scored for the toronto marlies on Sunday. Who has five points in their first two games? Nick Robertson. That is an excellent guess. <laughs> Usually I'm used to your guesses just missing the mark completely. But <laughs> no, uh, and it's an interesting one. I, I think when Robertson went down, they told him, look, we're carrying the minimum here. I really wondered if Robertson got sent down, if there was going to be a conversation about it's time for a fresh start for him. Like we talked about it with Blackwood and maybe it's time for him to go somewhere else. And, but I think they told him, it's not like we've got a lot of players here. It's not like you're buried behind a lot of extras because the cap doesn't allow them to have it. 
But I think that'll be a fascinating one to watch. He's he's doing what he has to do. He's got five points in two games. A couple of more things uh, before we uh, give way to the thought line questions, uh, the Montana's thought line. How are you feeling about the Buffalo Sabres early, Elliot? And I'll ask you the same question I asked about Edmonton goaltenders. How are you feeling about Devin Levi? This was bound to happen, okay? Um, you know, first of all, that Benson, boy, that guy looks like a real player. Like, yeah. add another level of young stud to the Buffalo Sabres offense. That Benson looks like he's the real deal. Two top, assists against, top five okay. skill, man. I said yeah. it last year on the podcast. Top five skill. And two assists against the Islanders. I think the Sabres, one of the reasons they kept three goalies, it's one of those just-in-case things. Just in case this doesn't work with Levi. And still, it's early. I, I don't panic or anything like that. But like they still have two guys if he needs to go down to the American Hockey League. I refuse to say that needs to happen after two games. I think this kid is too talented, too confident, too good. I'm going to bet on him long term. But this, to me, is a reason that Buffalo didn't put either Comrie or Lucan on waivers because it was just in case they needed to put Levi down there. I think part of it was they were scared that someone was going to claim them too. Well, of course. Like, I mean, that's the <laughs> obvious <laughs> thing. Thanks, Tips. Well, I mean, like, let's not, let's not, let's not, let's frame this accurately here. Part of it was, I mean, everyone's scared of goalie I don't think I'm, I'm framing it inaccurately. I think, I think one, that was, I think that was part of it. Like, okay, let's see about Devin Levi here. But I think the, 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 the bigger one is they thought that they'd lose one of the guys on waivers. They put him on. Yeah. I mean, you're obviously you're right, but I could say the obvious thing, or I could go for the deeper mm. theorizing. I'm this podcast go, I'm tries gonna, to do more than just scratch the surface, Jeff. I'm going to go back into the shallow end where it's noisy. You're way out there in the deep end. I, I tread <laughs> water and barely keep my head up. I'm, I'm going back into the shallow end here, Elliot. I can't tread water in the deep end with you here. Okay, let's get to the Montana's Thought Line. The Montana's Thought Line uh, brought to you by Montana's Barbecue and Bar, Canada's home for barbecue, which you always say. Try the ribs. And the deep fried pickles. 32 thoughts at sportsnet.ca. 1-833-31. They're so good, man. How do you not like deep fried pickles? Like, seriously, Elliot. Come on, man. 1-833-311-3232. 1-833-311-3232. All right. This is Andrew Elliot from Maple Ridge saying, I was wondering if you think it's possible that Patrick Kane is waiting until November 19th to sign a new contract this would put him at 35 years old and make him eligible for a performance bonus structured contract, at least as far as I can tell. Thank you and keep up the good work. New Amel. That from Andrew and Maple Ridge. What, what, what did you say we should call him? Old Dom? Old Dom. That's Amel. Old Dom. Yeah, because Dom is our new guy. And so yeah. we're, instead of calling him New Amel, we're calling Amel Old Dom. I like old that. Dom. Yeah. No, it, it, it's a really good question. I'm sorry. What's the questioner's name again, Jeff? Uh, Andrew in Maple Ridge, sir. Andrew in Maple Ridge. It's it's a very good question. Um, but the answer is no, because the way the NHL works is on a calendar. And that calendar ends on June 30th and starts again on July 1st. And your age on that season is your age on July 1st. So he doesn't become eligible for an over 35 contract because his birthday is on uh, November 19th. I love the way you think, Andrew. Like if I was running a league, I would try to get away with that, but it's not the way it goes. So because Keane's birthday is after July 1st, um, that he's considered 34 this season. Great question. I really like the way you think though. Uh, Eric C. Um, hey boys, Eric from Maryland here. Uh, question for Merrick, but by all means, Elliot, chime in as necessary. Now that Connor, <laughs> it's all, believe me, after Merrick answers a question, it's always necessary. For yeah, me no, answer. it's always yeah. Here comes the sniper, Elliot from the <laughs> from the weeds. Uh, now that Connor Bedard has made it to the big show, who's next? Who's the next great can't miss future franchise mm. savior, league wide darling? We should keep our eye out for. 
uh, is this kid coming in next year's draft or is he or she only getting going in juniors or overseas and will have to wait a little longer? Love the pod. Keep it up, Eric C. There's a few. And there's one person that got put on my radar on a late night text on Friday nights. Um, the guy, and I've mentioned, we've talked about him before here, Elliot, uh, who just actually on Sunday committed to the University of Minnesota at the age of 16, and that is John Mooney or John Mooney Jr. or L.J. Mooney, um, who's playing the U.S., uh, the U16 development team. This kid has been out there for a few years. He's Logan Cooley's cousin. Um, his dad played uh, briefly. Um, this kid, he's from Pittsburgh. Um, this kid has been out there and making noise for a couple of years in prospecting circles. There's Michael Misa of Saginaw. His draft. And they're going to have the Memorial Cup this year. 2025, correct. Saginaw's got Memorial Cup. Gavin McKenna is a 2026 uh, draft. Uh, hopefully, he plays Medicine Hat Tigers. And then someone who got put on my radar. I got a late night text on Friday from someone saying, who, you who's need texting to you late at night on Friday? It's someone from out west. So over there, it's nine o'clock, and they're texting me at, at midnight with, hey, you got to get this guy on your radar. I got a text from someone saying, have you seen Landon DuPont play? And I said, no. And he said, well, he's playing at the uh, U18 at the uh, Edge School. He's a 2009. He's a defenseman. This person said to me, I haven't seen someone dominate this age group uh, since Connor Bedard went through. So there you go, already getting the Connor Bedard comparisons, even though he's a defenseman. And of course, Bedard's a, a center. He's the son of, do you remember Mickey DuPont, the defenseman? A little guy, right? Yeah, Mickey DuPont's kid. Now, Mickey wow. uh, is now an if agent. If I remember, Mickey DuPont was not that big, but he was a really skilled player. Hang on. I will call up Mickey DuPont stats for you right now. Mickey DuPont from Calgary is uh, was 5'10", buck 86. Ninth round draft pick of the Calgary Flames in the 2000 draft, playing with the Kamloops Blazers uh, of the Western Hockey League. He played 23 games in the, in the NHL uh, with the Calgary Flames, three with the Pittsburgh Penguins, and finished with the St. Louis Blues, wrapped up the career uh, playing in Germany. Anyway, he, he, his he, kid, he retired four years ago. I know. And his kid, who's a 2009, all right, and is already playing with kids much older than him is apparently the next big stud to come out of the West for that age group. Landon, I was hoping put it on everyone's radar. Landon DuPont, another one. Remember the name. So John Mooney or LJ Mooney, Michael Misa, Gavin McKenna, and Landon DuPont. Well, I have to tell you, like that DuPont's interesting because I do remember his dad being one of those guys I think if he, I mean, basically he did play now. He played up until four years ago. But if he was in his prime now, he would be, he, he would be a hell of a player. You know what he does now, Mickey Dupont? Actually, he already was a hell of a player. No. He would be, he would be respected more as a hell of a player. You know what he does now? What's that? He works with Titan, Kevin Up. So the kids already got an agent. So all you agents drooling about, ooh, it's a new fresh meat out there. Yeah, I guess again, too late. Too late. <laughs> too late. Not going to get your hooks into uh, into that one. Uh, but that's a wonderful question. Yeah, get Landon DuPont's uh, name in your brain. Um, here's an interesting one. Permission to seek a deal. Hi, Elliot and Jeff. I had a question about trades. At times, a team will quote, Give permission for a player to seek a deal. How does this work? Does the player and the representation contact other clubs and try to broker a deal, at which point they take it back to the general manager? Appreciate the time for reviewing my question. Please keep up the great work. P.S. I tried the ribs. Very good. Ah, excellent. Good job. I tried the ribs. So good. Generally, what will happen is the team will tell the agent, this is what we're willing to do. This is, this is the parameter of what we're willing to do for somebody. You can't just have a situation where the agent calls up another team, makes a deal that's ridiculous, and goes back to the team and say, well, I made you a deal. You have to take it now. First of all, the team ultimately retains the power to say yes or no. It's not the agent. It's the team. 
The agent will reach out to interested teams and say, I have permission to talk. The teams will check with the current team and say, is this true? Yes. And the agent will say, look, like this is what I've been empowered to say in terms of what a team is willing to do. And, you know, I, I think the one thing is like the more clients you have, you know, it, it's a tricky thing to talk about because, you know, I, I don't want to create the impression that the agents mostly say, say, look, I'll give you a better deal on somebody else if you find a way to take my player. You're not supposed to do that. That's not a good thing for an agent to do. But I think there there is no question that sometimes the more powerful an agent is, some teams, especially if they're interested, legitimately interested in the player, they will want to play ball with that agent. And I've seen that kind of situation happen before. And sometimes what the agent can do is, if a team says we're only willing to do this, sometimes they can move the line and say, look, I can get this done for you if you're willing to do this. And sometimes that does happen. Excellent. Um, let's finish up with a voicemail. Juan in Montreal. Seeing, you know, we have now games in Australia. How do you guys see the development of hockey or even like the NHL going into Latin America? Are we going to be seeing like a game in Mexico maybe, you know, that is pretty close to us? I wonder how do you guys, uh, your opinion on this this topic. Thank you very much and keep up good work. Bye. Thank you, Juan. I love, love Juan's it. accent. Beautiful. Like, like, just a beautiful accent. And then we come in afterwards with our yeah, slop, right. slop, sloppy tongues. Oh, well, thanks, Juan. Ah. <laughs> Be- like, Juan's, Juan, Juan sounds lyrical. so beautiful than us. Than us. Yeah, we, lyrical. On, Very yeah. lyrical. The answer is yes. They want to do this, right, Jeff? They've talked about it. I mean, Dave, yeah, Dave, they've Dave definitely Dave, talked about it. Like the Coyotes Dave. thought they were going there at one point. Yeah, uh, David Proper um, runs international, and it's up to him and his group to determine whether that happens. But they've definitely, I can like, for sure, Elliot, you know this. They've talked about Mexico. They've had discussions about uh, about going there for sure. Yeah, I, I know the Coyotes thought they were going to go there at one point in time. I would love to. I don't even know if it's possible, Jeff. To be perfectly honest, but if you saw told me I could go watch a hockey game at Azteca Stadium. Wow. Don't I mean, they isn't I, I there, would assign me up. Like sign was, me up. There is a mega as it's described, a mega skating rink in Mexico City, 3200 square meter rink. Beautiful outdoor rink in Mexico City, Elliot. Well, well, I would prefer Azteca. No offense to the outdoor rink. I would prefer Azteca <laughs> Stadium, but I'll take it. Look, I, I do think they should go there. I, I do. I, I just think it's it's newsy, it's fun, it's different. It's right on our doorstep, Mexico and the United States of America. It's another fan base. But the key is if you're going to go once, you got to keep going, as was said by Luke Robitaille in our pod. Juan, I would love to see it. I, I really would. And I think it's the kind of thing that we absolutely should be looking into. With you 100%. Montana's Thoughtline, uh, Montana's Barbecue and Bar, Canada's home for barbecue. Wrapping up 32 Thoughts next. Ah, Elliot, yet another start to another week. Now, other than the 32 Thoughts podcast, there's eh, not much else really to look forward to. Jeff, you are forgetting about Montana's Daily Deals. Their chicken wings are double dusted in-house, cooked to a golden crispy finish, and... They're half price on Mondays. Uh, half price? Half price every Monday and sauced however you like them. Well then, head on down to Montana's Barbecue and Bar for half price wings every Monday. The only other thing exciting about Mondays. Some conditions apply. Visit montanas.ca for details. Welcome back to the program. Okay, not that anybody wants to hear me um, blather on about my career. Uh, one thing, considering I did get a lot of texts and DMs and tweets and voicemails, etc., but I thought I should address it here at the end of the podcast, if you're still with us. Uh, I'm not back on Hockey Night in Canada this season. Uh, they have decided to go in a different direction. The 32 Thoughts segment uh, no longer exists. Uh, Elliot is still doing Saturday Headlines. 
um, which we will listen to and watch with great interest every single week. Um, this was a decision that was made for me, as we say in the industry, but I just wanted to take a, ch a chance and, and take a moment to thank everybody who made my second go round with Hockey Night in Canada, uh, a really memorable one and a lot of fun. I'm going to miss seeing everybody there, uh, whether it was people that we work with on the floor in the control room, uh, in front of the camera, in the makeup room, Gus, who's cutting our feathers and Deb Berman and Amy, like everybody, all of our stylists and everyone. I'm just going to miss everybody. I'm still going to be watching uh, every Saturday. It's a Canadian staple, so I won't miss that. But I just wanted to, to take a moment to thank everybody uh, who made this last go around at Hockey Night for me a memorable one. And it is the industry standard leading show. And there are a few thrills better when you work in hockey media to be able to say, you worked on Hockey Night in Canada. So for everyone who helped me along the way and encouraged me along the way, and we're just great colleagues and great friends, I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you. And Elliot, yes, that does even include you. We miss you, Jeff, already. We miss you a great deal.